0: Everybody. Welcome to Cinemusts, the podcast where we debate the must-see status of the films included in the book, 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die, and listeners decide if they should be included on the list of essential cinema. I'm Sergeant Techcom DN38418 Mike Emmel, and joining me tonight is the man who might be an unstoppable death machine, or maybe he's just on PCP, it's Jeffrey Chris. Jeff, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. Nothing uh, says good PCP like running at you naked with a shotgun.
0: Spring, spring tradition is tradition. It's great to have you back, man.
1: <laughs> great to be back.
0: How have you been? Been a long time since we talked. Gravity and the Revenant.
1: That was the last one we did. I totally forgot about that. Uh, been great since then. Uh, I've been thinking so much about going, getting back in touch with nature, and uh, eating some some fresh meat. And the vomiting. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done that yet, but I've been thinking about it.
0: Yeah, these da- this dang pandemic, man, is keeping everybody indoors and keeping us from realizing our dreams. Yeah. Um, I'm real excited to have you back on the show for an episode we have long discussed doing. And thinking back on that episode we've de- did on Gravity and the Revenant, and really every show we've done back to uh, Scream and Cabin in the Woods. It's really my mission tonight to not fall into your trap of making me apologize for liking the movies I do. I am—I'm just standing firm on this one as a good movie tonight.
1: Uh, okay, I mean, I—I—I I, I also think it's a great movie. If anything, I'm going to make you feel bad for thinking the same thing that I'm thinking.
0: Oh, cool! I'm excited to see where this is going—out of one trap and into another. Um, I guess guess I'm getting way ahead of myself because I got to do the opening housekeeping and welcome everybody who's listening. Welcome back, everybody. We're really glad to have you guys here because the mission our show is on is to decide which movies truly deserve a spot on the list of essential cinema, and Jeff and I just can't do that on our own. So to determine if tonight's film is going to earn a place on that list, we are going to leave it up to all of you to cast your votes on the polls we're going to put on our various social media pages. So if you're not already doing so, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of which you can find simply by searching for cinemas. You do that so you can cast your vote on the must-see status of tonight's movie. So while you all make sure you're following us on whichever of those platforms you prefer, Jeff, we're gonna be asking listeners at home to vote tonight's film into one of three categories. If you wouldn't mind moving the scalpel away from your eye for a second, would you mind explaining what those three categories are?
1: Uh, I mean, if if I must, if I must move away the scalpel, you I can still mind. cut into
0: your arm, right? It's cool.
1: Oh, okay, okay, good. I'm just. Anyway, so, uh, there are three different categories. We have CineMust, Cine trust, and CineBust. CineMust is a movie that you recommend to everybody. Everybody must see it. It is essential viewing. CineTrust is a movie that you only recommend to some people, uh, depending on just what the genre is, what people might like. Uh, and then CineBust is a movie that while you may like it yourself, you can't really bring yourself to recommend it to anybody. Uh due to whatever opinions or anything you may have.
0: It's a sad life for the Cinebus. So, yes. Jeff, what is the movie that people are going to be voting on tonight, and why would you pick it for this episode?
1: Uh, so tonight, we are going to be talking about The Terminator, the original one from 1984? Was 1984? That is yeah. correct. I'm really excited about this one, uh, because you and I have history with uh, the Terminator franchise. And I'm, uh, no, keep going no no please go ahead Uh, we we
0: have um we have teased this story a lot and i don't think we've ever really told it should we take this opportunity to finally like reveal what this history we have with the terminator is
1: uh absolutely because it's 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 a slightly funny one.
0: It's like, I guess I lower expectations. Everybody. There's not like a great punchline here, but this is a very formative movie for Jeff and I, Jeff, I, I want you to take over to certain points um, because the story is so much better from your point of view, but I'll give like the backstory is Jeff and I met. Um, we worked at the same place and when I got there, he was a well-established, I didn't know him too well, but I was like, hey, this guy's really witty, funny, he's got that gorgeous, like, radio announcer voice. Oh, but we bad. never really had a lot of interaction until one very fateful day when what happened,
1: Jeff? So, I was going around the corner of this bullpen area that we had, I was going to, I think I was talking to Fish, actually, I was going to talk to him specifically, because he sat, and sat in your little cubicle area. He did. Host, host of our Pink Flamingos and other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Great, great guy. Great guy. Best friend. Um, so, going over there and trying to talk to him, I don't remember... Oh, it was... What Terminator movie was it that like had just come out?
0: I think that Genesis had just come out.
1: Okay, so Genesis had just come out, and I, having never seen it, and have only heard the myriad of people that completely disliked it. I turn the corner uh to our friend Fish and I say, Hey, did you go see that Genesis movie? From that point, uh Mike, and keep in mind, we haven't really talked much, perks up from behind his computer, desk, <laughs> whatever the heck he was doing at the time, and proceeds for five to ten minutes, probably a good solid ten minutes ten. to yeah. just just start ranting at me and everybody else that was kind of on the floor in the area that was so fortunate to be able to hear this as to why this movie sucked so badly and just all of the problems that it caused, the wars in other countries. And it was probably the most off-putting but best experience that I had (laughs) with having not even looked into his direction or talked to him at all and then suddenly being like, like, ranted at for a while and it was great
0: yeah i was gonna say like and and you being the stalwart wonderful person you are walked away from that saying you know that's a guy that i'd like to talk to again
1: and <laughs> talk we did
0: <laughs> so yeah the terminator series is a uh, foundational to jeff and my friendship we have talked about doing this episode since the podcast started and two and a half years later here we are finally digging
1: into it so excited about it
0: yeah so let's let's get diving into it then man so for anybody who is new to the show jeff and i are going to take a couple of minutes to be completely spoiler free if you have not seen or never heard of the terminator we are going to try to sell you on it we're going to tell you what it's about jeff and i are going to vote it into one of the three categories he described a minute ago cinema cinetrust or cinebust and each of us is going to give three reasons a piece for why we vote the movie into the category that we did All that's going to be spoiler-free. From there, we'll issue a spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen the movie, stick with us for a couple minutes so you can get a rundown on whether we think this movie is worth seeing or not. Uh, Before we give the votes, Jeff, 1984, James Cameron's The Terminator. What is the movie about?
1: Yeah, so here's a little, little plot summary. Uh, a cyborg, known as a Terminator, travels back in time to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor, the mother of a yet-to-be-born Resistance leader, John Connor. Said to protect Sarah is Kyle Reese, who divulges the coming of Skynet, an artificial intelligence system that will spark a nuclear holocaust in the future, uh, the year 2029, I believe. Uh, Sarah and Kyle, throughout this movie, must attempt to escape and survive the pursuing Terminator, Uh, to prevent any sort of future catastrophe
0: i have chills just hearing it okay um before we get going with the votes jeff another thing that i find very exciting about this this um is not james cameron's very first movie that honor goes to the uh what i can only assume is a masterpiece piranha 2 where the piranhas fly um but Mm. this is this james cameron's big breakout movie And it's very seldomly on this podcast that the first time we talk a director is also their first movie that's brought up in the book. So I'm kind of excited to be able to take this one back to the beginning to talk about him as a director uh, back before he was James Cameron and working on three Avatar sequels all at once.
1: I'm excited about that because I I had read up a little bit about Piranha 2 and then how Terminator... Came to be as a result of that it's, it was really interesting. <laughs> it's a
0: great story, and we'll actually talk about it because some of my points revolve around it. But let's like lay
1: down the groundwork here first. Jeff, had you seen the Terminator before this, right? uh yes, long time ago. It was probably it must have been maybe like 2000, 2001 okay. that I saw it.
0: All right. So once every twenty years, it comes back up into your life. I'm really curious, then, man. How are you going to vote for this one?
1: I'm going to vote it a set of must. I absolutely love it um i know that i've talked about in the in the past especially with our our scream one how i didn't like certain like cheesy um like 90s and whatever kind of horror i don't know what it is but with early sci-fi like 80s and 90s sci-fi i give a complete pass to for all cheesiness and stuff that it has i it's not fair especially to scream or some of the other horror ones. I completely uh, like understand and recognize that. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, I'm,
0: st- I'm still a little sore about that whole scream thing, but y- you know what? It's,
1: it's totally fine. It's a good episode. <laughs> it's a really good Water episode. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my, uh, my three points that I've got for why I call this a cinema must, um It has excellent synth music from uh, Brad Fidel. Uh, i believe that's how you pronounce his last name who did a, a a number of uh these sci-fi movies um from like the 80s into the 90s um it still kind of helps compose uh things even now special effects by the incredible stan winston um like even for it's time it looks incredible uh some of the puppeteering and everything that happens in the movie it's it it, it looks dated but not bad and the Terminator is really just kind of the epitome of sci-fi or like grunge sci-fi for me. Like it's, it's like, it's that like Robocop, Judge Dredd, they all just have like an amazing feel to them of what, especially at that time, sci-fi was thought to be.
0: Yeah, it's, I've, in doing research for this, I've seen this movie called kind of the, the quintessential 80s movie. I think a couple of magazines even voted it like the most important movie of the 80s. And a lot of it has to do with what it does with genre, what it does with science fiction and how it kind of revitalized a bunch of different genres. So I think you're
1: very on point with all of this stuff. I would totally agree with it. Uh, so Mike, what did you, what did you uh, vote? it as?
0: Well, it should come as no surprise to you, all the ranting and raving I've done over the years. Uh, this is a cinema must for me as well. I recommend this movie to everybody. I love it. Uh, For me, the three reasons, the first reason is it's one of the ultimate genre blend movies. In The Terminator, you're going to get a terrifying slasher movie, you're going to get a pretty decent sci-fi head-scratcher, you're going to get a kick-ass action movie, and you're even going to get a schmoopy little love story. Not that all of these are perfect representations of the genres they're pulling from, but all of that in a a single, tight package, uh, you don't get that very often, and I think it's one of the supreme delights of watching the movie over and over again. My second reason I recommend it to everybody is it's a really truly jaw-dropping film school in a box movie. You know, that, that term is, you know, if you want if you want to skip tuition and skip like paint, putting all the time and effort into film school like we'll just watch these movies. It's film school in a box. And the Terminator I feel is one of those movies in a very different way because it's such uh it's kind of an exploitation movie. Like you said it it has elements that dip into cheesiness. It's a uh, it's science fiction. But everything about it is so tight and is built upon working with relatively little in terms of budget and resources. So it's kind of one of those movies that's inspiring in its way to be like, they did it, I can do it too, if you have the creative aspirations to go out and make an amazing movie.
1: It was only like, what, the budget was six million? Yeah, it was about 6.4, which, if
0: we're being truthful, is not the lowest budget of low budgets. Um...
1: It, yeah, but I bit like for this it that's kind of amazing yeah and we'll, and we'll talk
0: that. we'll talk about that a little more but yeah i think that equates to roughly like 15 million dollars today which movies are still made for less than that today but when you look at like the return and everything that's packed into this movie it's very very impressive um I'll, I'll get into that more with spoilers my third reason i recommend this to everybody it's the birth of cinema's greatest robot and you gotta you gotta be there to witness it and i i will this will be the one point in the show jeff where all i'll be a little shaky. It's it's a toss up because R two D two is also great. I think either he or the Terminator have a a shot at the title of cinema's greatest robot. But Uh, the Terminator is so freaking great. He has endured through the ages. This is truly his movie. I think later when we get talking in future episodes about the sequel, I love Terminator two. That's a movie that belongs to its human characters. This is the one where the Terminator gets to shine. So, those, those are just three among the many reasons I can pick for why I recommend this movie to everybody. So, Jeff, we are in 100% agreement. If people have not seen this movie, they got to go check it out. Before we dive a little deeper, backing up those points with examples from the movie, are there any other spoiler free things you want to say to pump the movie up?
1: As Mike, was, Mike you were saying, uh, this movie is as tight as Arnold Schwarzenegger's packs. <laughs>
0: Uh, well said. I I can't. You you're so good at throwing me off. I've got no retorts. Um, yeah. Everyone, just go see it. is is my recommendation. If you haven't seen the Terminator, stop the episode now. Don't don't let it get spoiled for you because it's truly a movie that's great to just unravel before you, not knowing where it's going. Although it's very difficult to not know where it's going since it's so immensely quotable and so embedded in pop sh- pop culture. If you don't know anything about it, like you really got to go check it out for yourself. I don't think you'll be sorry. Um, Jeff, if there's nothing else we can say spoiler-free, I think we should just move into the discussion. What do you think?
1: I agree. Let's do it.
0: Alright, everybody. Spoilers now for The Terminator. (laughs) Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Don't do that again. Just let me go. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity, or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. Can you stop it? I don't know. With these weapons, I don't know. Okay, Jeff, um, I think we're gonna have a lot of overlap in some of our points, especially as it relates to the, the kind of challenge the movie faced with a relatively small budget. And like we've said, 6.4 million is not an incredibly tiny budget, even for this time. But considering what's delivered on the screen, it's still mighty impressive your your point that kind of ties into this is that you see the terminator is the epitome of grunge sci-fi so go into that a little bit more what about the movie makes it that what makes it stand top of the peak in that very specific subgenre
1: it seemed like in the 80s and early 90s um even some sometime now when the story of like science fiction like kind of far future um Uh, science fiction kind of comes into play uh it's it's got this uh this dark uh kind of apocalyptic um setting to it to to some degree or or dystopian kind of setting to it and and that's the opening shot of the terminator is just like 2029 everything's destroyed you've got these like robots and stuff rolling over human skulls uh and the, the the diorama thing that they have set up and it looks amazing when you see that initially it just feels like raw and gritty and just it's i i don't know how to really explain the the feel that it gives off other than it's it's kind of depressing to see it um but just in a way that kind of strikes you with a little bit of awe
0: oh very much so and and like you're saying i think like the terminator <clears throat> maybe is not the complete originator of that kind of vision of the future, but it mm. definitely painted the most vivid picture of it to the degree that like, like you said, so many other science fiction dystopia movies have this vision of the future and they all owe it to Terminator, even down to something like the matrix, which is a fantastic movie too. We've covered on the show. Like it mm. owes its vision of like the future to the Terminator. And that is such a great way to open the movie too, that it's, it's a, like you said, a really quick, panning shot with the hunter killer that's on wires flying in but that that paints like the picture of what the future's like the stakes because the rest of the movie's budget is mostly going towards a, a few more extended sequences there but it's all taking place in the present it's all like working with small actors so opening with that is such a great move to really open up the scale of the movie and convince you that it's feels so much bigger than it actually is
1: Yeah. And they were they were able to take that. And this may just be because it was like 1980s uh, New York or whatever, 1980s city. But they're able to still take that really grungy, gross feeling to the past with it as well. Um, But again, that may just be because it was a movie set in the 80s. Uh, and that's just kind of how the world was, right?
0: And I mean, they're they're shooting in L.A. and it's it's pretty much like that's right, L.A. hit and run wherever they can get it because I know they had problems with a lot of their uh, film permits and stuff. So it, it that also kind of fits like the grunge style that it is still kind of an independent production in its way, and they're they're just grabbing shots left and right wherever they can.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's good, and I think it lends itself to it.
0: And something that you said is something that I think is going to come back up is the movie. I I joked about how in, in previous episodes I always wind up like being apologetic for the movies you and I seem to cover that I'm I'm apologizing for Scream's obnoxious self awareness and I'm apologizing for Gravity's unpolished <laughs> script and and what's funny is I went into this saying like I will not apologize for the Terminator it's so good and every like research thing that I was able to dig up like the essay in a thousand and one movies other like critical essays they're all like it's not great. It's not that smart. But you guys like it's just this great exercise of style over substance. And I'm not really convinced that it's not that great. It Yes, it has a, a cheap veneer like it's made in kind of the Roger Corman school of filmmaking, because that's where James Cameron comes from. Mm. Um, some of it's like cheesy, but I've never seen that as like a hindrance to the movie. Like I've never seen it as a movie That it's like, you'll enjoy it if you can kind of understand that it's tongue-in-cheek. I think that its tone is totally right. And it never feels like overly cheesy, even though it's full of like really overacted moments. I think it's like really tightly made. And where I was getting at with this is that, though Cameron doesn't really delve into this stuff until later in Terminator 2, I think that this movie has a lot of things that are just hinted at and very subtle and very suggestive. And he does them pretty much through like what he chooses to shoot and what he chooses to leave in the edit, such as like that juxtaposition of like 2029 L.A. riddled with human skulls. But 1984 L.A. at night, also not that great. Still kind of a hellscape in that idea of what do you what do you do to stop like a horrible future from happening if you can see traces of it in the present? Like, I I think hmm. the movie genuinely is riddled with great little touches like that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely don't. I, I don't agree with uh, it, it being considered like not like great or or smart, m- much like you. I and again, this goes back to showing my hypocrisy uh, with not liking cheesiness and stuff and in scream, but absolutely loving the Terminator. I think that when it comes to the time that this was made, um, how acting and such was done in the eighties um how action was was kind of a part of that um i honestly think that it makes the movie better um because it doesn't take itself too seriously yeah and and i think that's just just where it comes off like really strongly is is that kind of uh, amount of like goofiness to it um that that really just kind of makes it shine. I I could equate it to like a polished turd, but it's it's really not. It's so much better than that. Um it it's like, like a it, dusty it very much Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, I don't know I don't know why it makes it so good, but it does.
0: Yeah. So so I am in agreement. I guess I shouldn't say it makes sense to me why it can be considered exploitative and cheesy and campy because so so much of it is pointed in that direction. And I I'd say especially things like the dialogue, which James Cameron, admittedly, never he's never written a script that has great dialogue. Like he some the ones that would be considered his best screenplays, which is probably like Aliens, This, Terminator 2, are still rife with like all sorts of like really bad, like on the nose lines. But he he writes dialogue in a way that it's like he's he's trying to deliver a good moment, a cheerworthy moment, regardless of whether the dialogue sounds natural. So, like, I I see where you can get the campiness, where it can be cheesy, where it could turn people off. But to me, the the difference is, is that if Cameron's not great at writing dialogue, I think he's great at writing stories. And I think this movie Mm -hmm. is like the ultimate example of how good he is at writing a story. And I think when you couch a well-written story with characters who are fleshed out, who are well-acted those like lines of dialogue and maybe like a a admittedly rushed and kind of overly schmoopy love story will still work because the purpose of it is not to be like, oh, it's cheesy, but it's fun. Like at the, at the end of the day, like this movie is still written to be terrifying, to be this harbinger of a, a vision of the future that is horrifying it's it's not just meant to be fun it is fun but it's also meant to be incredibly terrifying i think so there's that blend of uh having its cake and eating it too i guess
1: yeah yeah no and uh, to to bounce or springboard off of that with the writing and stuff for it i absolutely love what i found out um, as we kind of talked about in the spoiler-free section, I loved when I found out how the movie came about. He was shooting Piranha Two or directing Piranha Two, and he had like a stress fever dream of uh, some like animatronic like sliding across the ground at him. Yep. Um,
0: emerging <laughs> from the fire. So, so pretty much like the, yeah. in the last act of the movie when it stands up in the middle of the inferno.
1: I. <laughs> I just think that that's what what a great way for a great movie to be like brought into this world uh, is from James Cameron directing a movie that he hated to moving into this.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and, and like it's it's his vision, you know, Pir- Piranha 2 is a job for hire because he's mm-hmm. one thing. And we've talked about this a lot off mic, but I don't think I've ever talked about my feelings about James Cameron on the podcast. I think he's a great director. I like pretty much all of his movies, even the lesser ones. As a person, I find him insufferable. <laughs> he's an egotistical maniac, and I hate listening to commentaries. Like I like listening to commentaries because he's a real nuts and bolts kind of guy. and And that's the thing that's so infuriating about him is he's so cocky, but he kind of deserves to be because he is not necessarily self-made but his story is kind of an inspiration to anybody who'd want to get into movies and this this ties into my film or my point about this being a jaw-dropping film school in the box movie is that james cameron was a truck driver he saw star wars and it blew him away and it inspired him and said i want to make movies and he immediately went to roger corman and his production company and said i'm going to work in movies and he worked in like everything, he was a special effects guy, he was doing production design, he was shooting, he was editing, he was getting real-world experience in all the different elements of making a movie. So Piranha 2 was him taking a job as a director to get his name out there. And he hated it because he was being dictated what to do, and Piranha 2 is nobody's vision of a film, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but, but you know, then he moves on to Terminator, it's his baby, and and something that continues throughout his entire career is that because he's worked in almost every element of making movies, he's hands-on in everything. He's, I think there was... um, Part of my research is I read the BFI film classics book that Sean French wrote on The Terminator. And he has a quote in there, something about, like, James Cameron is notorious... Or James Cameron is considered a control freak in an industry that is notorious for employing nothing but control freaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like you're saying terminator is this great move for him where he takes command of everything. It's his story. He's directing it. He's it's the way he wants to make it to the point that, um, as amazing what you're saying, Stan Winston's, um, work on the terminator itself is so good that you also have to give James Cameron credit for it because it's his sketch. It's his concept art. It's his drawing. He did from his dream because he's also an artist. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what's so infuriating about him is he's such a cocky douchebag, but it's like, he can get it
1: done. <laughs> like he can he do can it do all, himself. all the things. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was reading about how the, the pitch uh, to, I, I forget the, the name of the, uh, the, the studio that was helping put it out there. Um, but whatever actor he had gotten to just kind of do the pitch for, who wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, somebody else. I can't remember the name of the guy.
0: It it was a couple of different people.
1: Yeah. Well, the the, the pitch, apparently how it happened was they dressed the guy up in like the Terminator, whatever, and he'd like bust down the door of this uh, production studio to to do the pitch and like kind of create like a little bit of a scene with it, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably like the best way, really. Right. Yeah. If you want to pitch anything. That's
0: what you like to see as a casting director.
1: Yeah. Destruction of property. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and by the way, I think this story you're talking about. This is Lance Hendrickson, who plays um, one of the cops in the movie.
1: Was that it? Okay, that might be it. That's and, awesome, and would buddy. go on
0: to play Bishop in Aliens, and he's great. Okay, yeah. This is another one that just has like great stories all around the casting. That Michael Bean came in and he had a Southern accent because he, I think he was doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof on on stage. And they were like, "We liked his audition, but that accent's going to be a problem." And he's like, "No, that's not how I talk. I was doing the accent from the play. I forgot to drop it. Let me do it again." <laughs> so, th- so there's one interesting decision that comes out of this is that conceptually, the Terminator is conceived of as an infiltrator unit It's supposed to look like a normal guy, and that's mm-hmm. not what Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> looks like. He's a tank. Do you uh, do you yeah. think that's the right <laughs> choice for this movie to to back out of that and say, "Yes, we want Arnold Schwarzenegger." over a more unassuming
1: actor. If you are in the, put yourself in the eighties, if you are in (laughs) the eighties and you're (laughs) okay, I'm there. You're, you're making yourself a, a, an action movie. Um, you're going to be putting the beefiest brisket that like of a man, like in that kind of position. And it's, it's going to work. So yeah, I, I think putting Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator is probably, especially for the time, the best decision that they could have gone with. Yeah,
0: I agree. And I mean, it's the movie that makes him a superstar, which is also so interesting because I think generally sure wasn't Conan. You know <laughs> I I think he really needed Terminator to really shoot him. You know, Conan could get him like upper stratosphere, but he needs Terminator to get him into outer space, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it, but anyways, it's it's interesting because conventional wisdom, I think, for the time and even for now, is like you can't really get to superstardom playing a villain, and especially such a despicable one. Like mm-hmm. the movie does not mess around showing you, like the level of terrifying efficiency that this machine goes to to fulfill its mission. Like we have him killing the owner of the gun shop. We have him gunning down the first Sarah Connor in cold blood. Like it is really really scary stuff. So it's so interesting to me. Like I said, I think that this movie belongs to the terminator and i think the story with reese and sarah is fantastic but like the standout here is schwarzenegger as the terminator and mm-hmm. it's just super interesting to me to think of like well what would have happened if it if it was just some guy what if it was michael bean playing the terminator like would it have the same effect and i don't think it oh, would
1: but that would be so good
0: <laughs> well, well kind of the nice thing and, and the reason i'm okay with it is hindsight gives us the benefit is. They get to use this concept in Terminator 2, and I think for a lot of reasons, that idea works better in a, in the sequel. Because I think mm. in this movie no, where definitely. you are establishing the rules of your world and the story and the time travel and everything, it plays a lot better to maybe shun some of the stuff that makes more sense logically in terms of what is narratively and visually interesting because if you're trying to establish this thing as an unstoppable killing machine that it's a, a one-man army that kind of tank of a human being is is a much better idea and it, and it's a better it better juxtaposes kyle reese and I, I like even how the movie does this visually that when we're introduced to both of these visitors from the future when we see the terminator it arrives composed cool it's crouched down it slowly stands up It has like that mechanical assurance that is very chilling and it's also Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's this ridiculous ideal of like what the human body could be, but never really is. It's like Mm -hmm. this, this fortress of flesh and you juxtapose that with Reese's arrival where he's skinny scrawny he's got scars over him he's literally like dropped out It it's it looks like a birth like a, a man being born it just like <laughs> plops on the ground and he's groaning and he's in pain and it's it's like the complete opposite of like how composed and quiet the terminator is when it comes through and i think yeah. that you know those two like the juxtaposition between them is what gives a lot of the movie its narrative heft because you have like that good old humankind gumption against the efficiency and the unstoppableness of like this idealized version of what a person could be if it was really taken to like the next level and infused with technology
1: to to go further on that point i did love how there was the terminator how as you described uh being all efficient so needing to get close and just Straight killing two dudes and injuring another to get clothes, whereas Reese, when he comes in, he steals pants from a homeless man that can't yeah. really defend himself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're you're already creating kind of a pathetic scene of being birthed from the future to the past. Uh, like, well, what how's what is he going to do? Oh, he's just going to steal some poor homeless man's gross pants. Yeah,
0: I somebody pointed out the irony to me that like Schwarzenegger kills two dudes and like walks away, but like. Michael Bean steals pants off a homeless guy and doesn't hurt him and he's the one that gets chased by the cops for five yeah. minutes. <laughs> but uh. but that's a great scene too that that establishes Reese as a character because in the time he comes from like this is his life like it's it's hit run and hide like you got to just be right. on the move and you got to be sneaky or they're going to get you. And that comes back over and over again. You know, Reese's strengths is like he knows how to be stealthy. He knows how to use the tools at his disposal. And time and again, the Terminators thing is like, uh, what's my strategy? I'm just going to bust in there and just shoot everybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> your, your, your stealthiness is cool, but I've already figured out a way to still figure out where you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. So something I want to talk to you about... The the synth music. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like the cheesiness. I was very surprised to see you sport this as a reason you recommend it to everybody because I could see this as being like the number one thing that dates the movie. What tell me about this score? What about it speaks to you and makes it like a huge selling point of the movie?
1: This this may be a bias for me just because I I love eighty synth just any time that it comes up in music. What it is for me is eighty synth especially when it comes to sci-fi. It's it's like an identifier for for science fiction. Brad Fidel's uh uh composition for this movie is so good. Um just like every beat up, uh and uh like scene um like the opening uh terminator um uh title card to uh the 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 shot with the uh hunter killer drones or whatever. Um, Just the music for it made it feel so imposing, um, but still kind of kept it with, like, the electronic uh, sci-fi kind of theme. Um, And I I think that it just makes it so good.
0: Okay, cool. So that's, like, part of the charm. Like, yes, it dates it, but that's, like, come on, you're in an 80s movie. Like, it's this awesome 80s slasher sci-fi movie.
1: Yeah, like you if you're if you're going to have like a sci-fi film, you need to make it still feel and sound like it.
0: Totally. And, th- and that's what I'm saying too with these genre blends is like that that synth music to me, like it's I I like it the more I see the movie. It it took me a couple of viewings till like get used to it. But then when I started getting into more movies, especially from this era and watching a lot of John Carpenter movies and things like Nightmare on Elm Street, like you're saying, like this this pops up all the time. So it bothers me less and less. And I do have to agree that I think the the themes that are established, musically speaking, are are so good because I every time like I'm watching the Terminator movies, I can never get out of my head just that bum bum, bum, bum,
1: bum. Oh yeah. Bum,
0: bum, bum, bum. It's so good. And and the 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 re Sarah theme that is kind of hopeful. Like it's it is really, really good stuff. So I, I do have to hand it to Brad Fidel that even if he's not totally selling me with the Chase sequences music, like I I have grown to love it. And so I was really happy to see you give this a shout out as a reason. It's a cinemast. Uh,
1: I I'm glad that we, we can come to agree on that because honestly that, that reason for me is more of a self gratification more than anything else. And I mean, that's it's <laughs> it. it,
0: it. <laughs> that's, that's like what most of the movie is. Like I said, I, I said, like, I love that this is a blend of all these genres, but it's like, it's a B science fiction movie. It's a slasher movie. It's it's an action movie. It's got like a schmoopy side plot of love. Like, I, I'm into all that stuff, so I can't get mad at like the synth score.
1: Yeah. So we you had brought up your point, uh, Mike, about this being the birth of cinema's greatest robot. Uh, and I have to agree just because, it, so you, you had brought up uh, between the Terminator and like R2-D2 about being like probably two of the best robots and, and wally
0: Got i'd love my wally and,
1: and 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 wally even though that's not right sorry to all um, the johnny but, five fans out there <laughs> <laughs> but um i i honestly think that the terminator definitely wins out of of r2d2 just because when i when i think about like pop culture and how how Certain things make its way into other genres or uh, other intellectual properties that it's not necessarily a part of. I more often see the Terminator in like other games, uh, like uh, shows as like a, a like a background reference and stuff, or or like an homage to it. I see more of that for the Terminator than I see for R two D two. Like hands down. Like just like for example, a, a recent game that came out, uh, Gears of War Five. Like they have a DLC for like the Terminator being in that game, and it's oh, like yeah. what twenty twenty now. So I, I think that the Terminator has definitely a more prominent footprint uh, in everything else. Well, the, there's
0: there's a clash of genres there because R two D two he's he's a fun family robot, but and, you know the Terminator is the badass. But I, I can't really argue with your point, especially since it's backing up my point that he might be cinema's greatest robot. It's it's the same thing. I, I In the Star Wars episode, we talked a little bit. I think R2-D2, like his personality comes through, even though he's beeps and boops. And, and in a similar vein, the Terminator is a character that has a lot of personality, even though he is played devoid of personality. That Schwarzenegger gets a lot of crap for how hard is it to act like? cold and metallic and you have 20 lines in the movie and you're saying mm. things as quickly as possible but y- you know when you watch it like all that stuff builds up to what the character is like it's no nonsense it's not a quip machine it's just there to kill these innocent women and then it's going <laughs> to bug out so like the the way that he's silent the way he scans a room and and the other thing that's kind of key here that um like I said this this movie belongs to the terminator this is his movie all those shots of like his vision and what he sees and and seeing like how he operates. Those are like the best parts of the movie. And even down to at the end when he, uh, he has the great line after he's been run over by the truck and he climbs into the cab and his face is half torn off. And he turns to the guy in the passenger seat and just says, get out. Yeah. (laughs) And then you see him and he's looking at the truck and you can see that he's like running a schematic of like how the transmission works and stuff so that he can put it in gear. And it's like, that stuff is just, so cool like that idea that he just like looks at something and he knows how it works and it uh-huh. it happens earlier i know when we watched it together you and i got a huge kick out of how he just shoves his fist through the window of the station wagon and then he just rips the steering column off to start the car yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all of it is is really cool and it's it's funny to to speak of what you're talking about how about how he's infiltrated pop culture and gaming like he he's a villain he's a despicable character he kills innocent women anybody who gets in the way is dead you, like one of the standout action scenes of the movie is him just gunning down an entire police precinct worth of officers uh-huh. and you know i i want to i feel bad saying like oh it's such a cool scene because at the same time it's meant to be horrifying but it also explains why you know things like grand theft auto 5 sell a 100 million copies like We kind of like imprinting on that. And I think James Cameron even said, like, there's a reason people like the Terminator. He's kind of like the ultimate rude person that can do whatever they want. So you kind of get like both things. Like you can imprint on this machine that does whatever it wants and you still get the satisfaction at the end of the day. It is overcome like the good people win. They destroy it. But for for most of the movie, like it's really fun to imprint on this guy that just charges in and does what he needs to do without any thought for consequences because they don't apply to him.
1: And plus, what scene is better than him going up to the the front desk police oh. clerk oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you need, you need to come back she'll she'll be back out later and no, I'll be back and goes into his car and just destroys <laughs> the front door caves in that desk area. That's such a great, yeah. just oh, a whole section. I, I mean, love it.
0: I, I feel like psychopathic saying like, isn't this great? But, you know, we've covered lots of horror movies. And I, I think this is an understanding primal thing. Like we, we like to imprint on these people in fiction so we can kind of vent and not do it in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're, you're totally right. That scene is boss. And, and who'd have thunk that a line like I'll be back could become just such a powerhouse of pop culture.
1: Uh, just appear literally everywhere,
0: and maybe that speaks to to like it's this great jaw dropping film school in a box movie because it's a simple script. Like it's shot in the pre- it's it's this movie about the future, but they get around like a big epic sci fi movie because it takes place in the present. It focuses around essentially three characters. Like I said in in general impressions, it's kind of one of those movies you look at where you where you break it down and you see like okay, how would they actually get this done. It's not as daunting as it looks when you first watch it, but when they put all the elements together, when they put in the special effects they have, when you have the actors giving a good a performance as they do, all of a sudden it's like, wow, like somebody made a movie this great with only this much. Like if they did it, maybe I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because I have nothing against movies that are low budget and work with like, okay, it's a bunch of characters in a single location, but. How much better to be like, oh, it's not that like it's this crazy killer robot movie and there's explosions everywhere. And just because they know how to save money using models and stuff, it looks epic and gigantic.
1: Ah, If only Deathbed, the bed that eats people, was made after the Terminator. I know. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And then in the sequel, the bed would
0: have become the good guy. (laughs) Spoilers for Deathbed 2. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Let's talk special effects. Cause I think that's, that's kind of like the linchpin of this point is I don't know exactly how much of the budget goes to special effects, but I would assume it's a significant portion. And maybe that's like the one thing that keeps this from being a point I could make about like, it's like an independent movie. It's not, but it's still low budget. What's, what are the most effective effects for you?
1: So I, when we, when we were watching this, this movie um, uh, together, the the thing that really stuck out to me the most is <clears throat> so i i couldn't really remember like a whole time of this movie cuz the last time i saw it was like a freaking long time ago um <clears throat> but it it really stuck out when when he when the terminator was in front of the the mirror and he's like kind of pulling out his eye and or the the like fleshy eye bit that covers up his actual metal uh parts and stuff Um, And like the puppeteering that was going on there and when he was fixing his arm, I was super impressed um, to like, wow, this was really made in 1984. And yeah, you can definitely tell that it's 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 like it's like puppeteering and like just like the uh, special effects makeup and stuff. But it it still looks really good um, for it being 1984 and then having looked into it more and then it's find out that it's from like Stan Winston has done like so many freaking things like him and his company doing all the Jurassic parks or up the the first three. Um, uh, having done the other Terminators, it's like, Oh, there's a reason for why this was so good. Um, it was like, they got a really amazing, uh, SX artist, uh, and, and company to, to work on this stuff.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a great sequence for me. Cause that, that goes to what I'm talking about. It's like special effects in the service of character that as Reese is in the lockup screaming about how unstoppable this thing is. You have this montage of it, like operating and fixing itself to get it like back in the game. Yeah, And you're right. Like it's, it's a puppet that looks fake. And I've heard a lot of people say like, Oh, that dates the movie. And I've always come at it from the attitude of, like, yeah, it looks fake, but, like, look at it. It decently looks like Schwarzenegger. Like, think about what it takes to make it look like that. Could you do that? Okay, yeah. I guess I never thought about that. Like, We're so used to everything just, like, it's got to look realistic, and we don't stop to think,
1: like... People, like, molded that. Like, people made that puppet. <laughs> yeah, people made that puppet, and you you kind of have to look at it from the time that it was made not from where you are currently uh to i I feel like really be able to appreciate the looks of it yeah
0: and and again where it comes from again it's not like a low budget movie but it's not an a-list like it's made to be kind of like a cheap drive-in movie yeah so like even all the more this is one of those movies i think it's like essential to know like the backstory to like appreciate it even more
1: yeah like and i think that probably the, the only uh, criticism is not the right word, but the stop motion portion, uh, in yeah. the, the latter part of the movie where it's actually just like the Terminator chasing after them after the, uh, the truck crash. Scene, like that would, that would probably be the part that I would, I would agree with people on be like, wow, this, this really kind of like dates it and makes it look a, a little iffy. Um, that would maybe be the only portion, but it, like, it's hard and like with at the time, like what they had going for them, uh, like it's, it was still really impressive that they were able to to do that. And the green screen wasn't terrible. (laughs) It's... It was noticeable, but it wasn't, like, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I
0: have, I have conflicting feelings because the shot of it, like, limping up the hallway as they're trying to get in and shut the door, I think that one's, like, noticeably bad. To me, that's, like, the yeah. special effect shot that always pulls me out of the movie. But later, right. the shot of Reese and the Terminator on the catwalk as it takes, like, the hit from him when he swings the crowbar at it, and then when it hits mm-hmm. him back, I actually think that stuff works pretty good. I think that, yeah. and, and there's a, a way that, like, that is shot from, like, a low angle and stuff that makes it interesting a little more involving but yeah like that sequence has this mix of like okay that's stuff that's like really bad and obvious and others that's like that looks pretty dang good
1: yeah yeah it's it, it is kind of jarring that that scene specifically um i i don't think it does everything else that comes before and after it enough credit or it gets enough credit but uh yeah
0: and and it's well but, balanced yeah. with the actual stan winston like full-size terminator that they're using. Uh-huh. Like, that that lends a little bit to the illusion as well. I agree. Yeah, and, and then all the future stuff, again, really sparse when you look at it. Like, how many shots there are of any like, actual robots, but so effective and so concise using what they have to establish this future. And even, like, that shot of the the subterranean city and what life is like for people... you know watching a fire burn inside of a tv and catching rats and things like that like really paints this vivid uh, view of what the future is like on a on a ground level that it's not just war it's also like this is existence and and another one of those things like i was talking about very early on like things that aren't called attention to but are kind of visually brilliant is this idea of like what are people fighting for if this is existing? Like, what if they win the war? What can they possibly do with this scrap of rubble and bones that is the world now? And again, like influencing tons of stuff, like the Matrix. But it's it's like a really great vision of the future.
1: Yeah, I I especially love the the whole sequence of uh, seeing the the underground bunker area uh, that everybody was living at just because uh when it when it does pan past uh those little girls looking at the tv you're like oh well at least they still have tv yeah then it goes back to like oh they're watching a fire well that's sad Yep. (laughs) Uh, then of course he like like you said the guy with the rats he comes out and he's like "Ah, i got it i was like oh hey that's me uh i would definitely be that guy there super soaked yeah yeah
0: um yeah and 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 all that goes to like maybe the last point i'll make about this how it's a great film school in a box movie is the movie is celebrated for being just so incredibly tightly made that there's no fat on it every scene serves a purpose that there's lots of things going on at once that events flow logically plot wise yeah like that establishing not just the vision of the future helping the movie feel big and epic but also you know we get the that really heartbreaking memory of the photo burning. And we know like the significance of the photo of Sarah Connor and how that will come back later. As, uh, you know, Kyle says, like, I used to have this picture. And I used to wonder what you were thinking about. And then at the end we see what she was thinking about. and It's so heartwarming.
1: Yep. yep, Just thinking about him and everything else. And your unborn child at the time. And then they're like, Oh, there's a storm coming. He's like, yeah, there is. And that's such a great way to end that movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Into the
1: storm. Uh, it, oh, it it was, i i think like with everything that had happened it was such a cool moment
0: yeah no and, and everything is so cool An- another thing to speak of how good the plot is is how great the movie is it upping the tension that it it's operating at a pretty high concept and you kind of feel after like the tech noir shootout knowing that the movie doesn't have the biggest budget i you kind of wonder like how does this get bigger because like they just blew up a car in an alley and he jumps on the hood and punches through the windshield. Like it's a pretty good car chase. And you're like, how does this get bigger? And then we have the police storming the police station. And that's amazing. And you're like, well, that's Mm -hmm. clearly the climax. But then like the last action scene in the movie is this great way of, um, staying true to the, the slasher formula and their own concept that the Terminator is unstoppable because it's first he's, he gets run over by a truck and then he gets blown up. Uh, and his flesh melts away and then he gets blown up and he's cut in half and you think that's the end of him and then he keeps dragging himself like it just never stops and it's such a great i think james cameron's really good at this and he'll do the same thing in aliens where you're just like it it can't possibly keep going on like this like he's gotta let up at some point but he just keeps going and it makes for a very satisfying movie um so jeff i think we're coming up on time here we're both like just falling head over heels over the movie it's so great are there any final points you want to make about it while we're in the spoiler discussion
1: uh none that i can think of at the moment
0: okay great me me neither i think we've i everyone can see like why it's such a great genre blend it's film school in a box i mean and and i was telling um some people the other day that like this is the kind of movie like i really want right now like it's it's low budget. It seems like a kind of movie like a bl- blossoming filmmaker could make, but it's still like awe-inspiring and awesome. And like I was saying, I, I like movies that are low budget, that are working with what they have, and it's just a couple locations and a few actors. But especially like the circumstances we're in right now with the pandemic going on and we're we're self-quarantining and staying at home, it's like, I don't really want like a Reservoir Dogs right now. I want a Terminator where we're out on on the run and there's robots and the, the future, there's Hunter Killers. It, yeah, it's this it's really a good nice story boy. about survival. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I guess we don't quite have to stop talking about the movie just yet because we have our, my, my favorite portion of the show where we are making double feature recommendations. So Jeff, if you were going to put a movie in a double feature with the Terminator, uh, what would you pick?
1: I would pick 2005 Serenity. Oh, okay. Um, the from the Firefly, the Firefly yeah. series. Yep. All right. I, yep. This is a fun movie. Why did you pick this one? So I picked this one because when 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 I, we were going through the, the the like the episode agenda and like the the prep for everything, and uh, you had done the uh, hey think about the double feature for it, my mind immediately went to Serenity just because it is it is another really good grunge sci-fi um, that it like at the end it's kind of about survival um, and uh, like the the adventure for that. Uh it's still got a good amount of corniness to it um it's to to me they kind of they're they're not like in the same boat so to speak um but they they both have uh, they they both have very similar tones um <clears throat> in it, it, like in the in the survival like i just said um and uh just kind of like running from that one guy that just won't give up until you are dead.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor before he was Chiwetel Ejiofor, I believe. <laughs> and and isn't there also a scene where Summer Glau just like kills a hundred people?
1: Oh yeah, and that. <laughs> oh gosh, it was so good.
0: I like it. Okay, this this is a great double feature. I I like that you went with like the fun sci-fi grungy double feature. That sounds like really good because that that was one thing. To, to go back to me really quick is, is to spot talk about like how all these essays I was reading is like, it's not as smart as it thinks it is, but it's really great. And I'm kind of like, it's exactly as smart as it thinks it is. Cause it doesn't think <laughs> it's that smart. Like the time yeah, travel is like a plot device, seriously. you guys like it's supposed to be a fun action movie. So this is, yeah. a, this is a good double feature.
1: What what uh what did you pick for it?
0: Uh, I had a couple. In true tradition, I always have like a runner up. My my runner up was uh, actually going to be Deadpool two because I was going to keep with like all the oh the fun time okay. travel and unstoppable robot. Uh, but what I settled on for my official recommendation is actually an older movie from nineteen seventy three, Westworld. This was um, Michael Crichton's uh, directorial debut. He's the man who wrote jurassic park a a pretty good book that was turned into an amazing movie that we've covered in the podcast past um westworld is kind of often cited as a a forerunner to the terminator to the point that it even is one of the movies that pioneers like the what the world looks like through the robot's eyes what does robot vision look like it's a it's a movie about a, a theme park where you can live out Life in the old west, and there's all these robots that get to lose gunfights to you, and they lose at cars and you sleep with the prostitutes. But what would happen if they turned on us? It's um, it's good corny fun. It's it's nowhere near the masterpiece level that the Terminator is, but I would actually I'd actually think it would be a very still a very fun movie. I would do Westworld first, especially since it came first to see in what ways Westworld may have influenced Terminator. But then you get to end literally on the bang that is the Terminator. Or I, I guess he gets crushed, so that's less of a bang. But uh, Westworld is my pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the Terminator crushes it at the end. Ah, I think that's the, the joke you that you're looking for. Um, I that that sounds really interesting. I've never seen the 1973 Westworld, so maybe I'll have to do that. It's, now. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's it's a movie. Cool. Awesome double feature recommendation, man. And as always, my favorite part of the week is going to come on Thursday. Listeners, we are going to put it out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook what movie you would put in a double feature with The Terminator. So make sure you're following us. I would love to see what you're going to put in a movie night with this 1984 classic. Um, And so rolling right out of it, that'll happen on Thursday. And then, Jeff, you and I have said our piece. So on Friday, on those social media outlets, we are going to put it to the listeners to decide if The Terminator is going to make it into CineMust, Cinatrust, or Cinebus territory. So guys, make sure you're again following us at CineMust on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're going to drop those polls there and announce the results next week. Again, the polls are dropping Friday. Jeff, I, I really can't thank you enough for finally making this this dream come true, Talking, watching and uh, talking about The Terminator with you. It was fun to watch it with you. It was great to talk about it.
1: Pleasure as always. It was a really good time.
0: And um, I'm I'm overjoyed because we're having you back real soon because the pact that was made when the podcast started was back when we were doing two movies, a show. And so we were going to do Terminator one and Terminator two. And while T1 is fresh in our minds, um, we're going to have you back here within the next month to talk T2 Judgment Day if you're still
1: in. Oh, yes.
0: I cannot wait. So um we will see you then again next month. Thank you so much for the, the discussion on this episode. And thank you all for listening. Again, check with us on Friday to cast your vote on if The Terminator is going to make the list of absolute must-see movies. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you'll join us next Tuesday. Um, Next week, it's another Relentless Pursuit of the Innocent as we welcome back Chris Reeves from the Casual Cinecast to discuss Charles Lawton's 1955 classic, The Night of the Hunter. This week, we were chasing Sarah Connor. Next week, we are chasing small children. Jeff, thank you again so much. We'll see you next month for T2. Any final words you'd like to say to
1: everybody? I'll be back.